Hey, we have the pleasure of interviewing, gosh, just the most interesting man in Bitcoin, blockchain, Jacob. and Jacob Denel. Yeah. Jacob, Jacob. Denel. Okay. And, all right, you have a pretty interesting background. I'll let you just take it from here. Tell us who you are. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm uh, Jacob Denelt. I'm uh, the managing director of um, Brian Kelly Capital's Digital Asset Group. Uh, BKCM is a global macro hedge fund. Um, he's, I don't know if you guys watch CNBC. He's uh, one of the guys who talks about the market that day on Fast Money. About three times a week, he runs, he runs a global fund, mostly currency-based. Uh, got involved in Bitcoin because, you know, this fund is mostly currency-based. Wrote a book about it, Bitcoin Big Bang. Um, we, we met when I was uh, working for Factum for uh, 45 minutes as their CFO uh, and 45 minutes you say yeah well um, it, it's really muggy in Austin <laughs> so um, I went to Itbit instead and then um, I liked SQL too much so I didn't stay at Itbit um, <laughs> but Brian and I have been talking for about a year about starting a hedge fund uh, and I was actually really lucky because Michael Sofair who's our CTO who he and I actually worked on our first software project together 30 years ago at summer camp when we were eight. Um, had been on my case about starting a hedge fund as well. So I said, all right, dude, I'll, I'll do this if, if you come join. So, so, so your background, so, so you're starting up a hedge fund, so obviously you have a finance background. All right, so, yeah. I, after, obviously. I, I have a, I went to, um, I went to a liberal, liberal arts college in a cornfield in O'Hill, Ohio. It's Kenyon College. And I got a, a degree in, in uh, game theory. Oh, nice. And I went back to um, D.C. where I was from, and I started working for my uncle, who was a real estate asset manager. And it was like 2003, and he was early, but he was like, ah, I don't like the real estate market. This isn't looking right. So he, <laughs> start, he started selling shit. And his son was married to his, – his son's wife was married to the partner of a broker at, at, at um, then Smith Barney, now Morgan Stanley in New York, who wrote option, traded volatility. And my uncle hired me to help manage that. And after like eight months, the broker was like, dude, just come to New York and work for me. So I was like, okay, that's more fun. So I went to, and I worked for, I went from, I went to, moved to New York, worked for Morgan Stanley, Citigroup, whatever, Citigroup sold to Morgan Stanley. Were you doing like algorithmic trading or was um, it all? I traded a lot of volatility, traded the VIX mostly. Um, was it, was it manual based on, you know, puts and calls yourself or did you? Have well, a, no, see. The thing is that the way the VIX trades is mostly through these two products called XIV and VXX, which are like, like intentionally designed to be terrible. Um, I mean, not intentionally designed to be terrible, but like that's how you'd have to describe it because they both suffer. They're not user friendly. Through contango and backwardation, they're guaranteed to lose money. Yeah. You, you look up what you want. If you, look, look up what that means if you want to know what it means. Um, so we traded that a lot. I mean, I had one really, really big trade where uh, I made all my clients um, short gold and buy platinum because platinum was $260 an ounce. Less. Wow. This, this was, hold on, this was in 2006? You timed that right. <laughs> this was in 2010 or 11. It was oh, really? Than, yeah, platinum was $260 an ounce less than gold. And I was like, no, like, like buy platinum and short gold. And they're like, why? I was like, dude, have you never played Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> Platinum's worth more. Yeah. Trade worked out really well. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> platinum, platinum eclipsed uh, gold there for a little bit, and it's still. And it now it's back to the same yeah. level. Oh, yeah. So I'm not giving financial advice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so then, then um, uh, Mike, 
who was at, at the, Mike Sofer, Mike now CTO, who was at the time the chief software architect of Trade Hill. We should talk about it in a second. That's a good story. But um, he and a guy named Jared Kenna came out to New York and were like, "Hey, you know, we need a market maker in, in Bitcoin. Do you want to? Do you want to do that?" And I was like, "Yeah, it sounds great." They're like, so, "Cool, we'll give you equity and no money." And I was like, me. Well, "What year was this?" Uh, it was late twelve, early thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, wasn't gonna you know like uh, live in Midtown Manhattan on equity, so um, didn't do it. But Mike gave me I think twenty five or fifty bitcoins in an account. On, that wasn't that much money then, and I traded him for like a year. And at the end, there was like one hundred and thirty bitcoins there. And what, it was, what what exchange did you use? Or Trade Hill. Trade Hill. Okay, Trade Hill. so okay, I'm not familiar with Trade Hill. Oh, they, they back in the day they did volume. The government killed them. Yeah. Um, they they were actually running in the black, large revenue, and then one day, somebody we don't know who, um, called the bank that was banking the credit union that was banking Trade Hill and was like, shut them down tomorrow or close your whole bank. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So that happened. Um, but anyway, before that happened. We traded the Bitcoins up, and then Avalon, which is a company that was run by Ifu, Ifu Wow, who invented the ASIC, the Bitcoin ASIC. Yeah, Ifu. Right. He ran an auction where he was selling a, like a bunch of the 60 gig hash minis, and I was like, Mike, I'm going to bid on some of these. And so I put all 125 Bitcoin into it. Uh, and then like two weeks later, like all these boxes with crazy Chinese characters, letters, all you know, characters all over them, show up in my apartment in Midtown, and I'm just like, Okay, I like hooked a few up, blew a few circuits, rented a U-Haul, drove down to Kentucky, installed them in a warehouse, started mining, um, and then Bitcoin started. Go it was Bitcoin was like 125, yeah. and then like a month later was like a thousand. Yeah, and so we like immediately started selling the miners. Uh, we ended up making money, but not as much as if we, would, if we hadn't done on. anything. Yeah. yeah, so. Classic story. Yeah, that, anyway, that, that happens a lot. Actually. Yeah. At that point, at that's that, like the best way to make money in the mining space. Yeah. At that point, I had, I had, I had pretty much lost interest in what I was doing at Morgan Stanley. Um, there's a few of us: Caitlin Long, Ari, Ari Levy, myself, uh, Antonio. We're very active in a in a chat group called Bitcoin at Morgan Stanley, where we were talking about it. But while the research team was asking me to come in and describe it, my branch manager told me he'd fire me if I used the B word again. <laughs> oh, really? So, so you had to change that to blockchain instead of Bitcoin? Yeah. Or what does that mean? <laughs> right. It meant shut up, Jake. Uh, but no, I, uh, I then was visiting my family, uh, my sister in Austin, and I met, went out and met with the Factum guys, and they were like, hey, why don't you join, the, join us? And I was like, and you did for 45 minutes. Yeah, well, you know, I, I left. Well, here's the other thing. So this was right in the midst, midst of the whole uh, Charlie Shrem thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, I heard of that guy. And Charlie owned a bar, a really nice bar called EVR. Actually, it was in Midtown. And a reporter who was a friend of mine and I didn't know was like quoting me or anything was like, what do you think of Charlie? And I was like, Charlie's a great kid. And he pours a good drink. And the next day in the paper, it says, Morgan Stanley is Jacob Denelt says. <laughs> And it's just like, okay. Did they at least quote you right? Yeah, that he's a good kid and poured a good drink. But apparently that's too much to say. Anyway, I try. Long story short, or shorter anyway, um, I went to Factum, but um, the at the same time as at Factum, I, I had also been working with, um, with, with two of the most, well, with, with some of the most 
influential, powerful, and successful people in the Bitcoin space that no one knows about, the guys who founded ItBit. Look it up yourself. Yeah, um, but they had um, been asking me, you know, who, who would you recommend as a blockchain architect? And I was like, I don't know. Like, that's not really me, but, you know, we could talk about a Bitcoin 2.0 solution. Uh, and then they asked me if I could come work with them on it, and it was a really exciting opportunity to help them come up with, with their bank chain product, which is a gold, uh, clearing and settlement system for gold bars. I had to have some stomach surgery. I was supposed to be out for 10 days. I was out for two months. While I was gone, the product changed. Things changed. It just wasn't a fit anymore. I left. Um, around that time, I had been talking to Brian, and, and we started working together. We put together DAG. And uh, you know we're, we're, we're working right now to, to basically try to build a track record. Our view is that Bitcoin's, I mean, we're still too early. Like, it's not like too early in the sense that if you had bought 4,000 Bitcoin for a dollar when they traded, then you're doing awesome. But it's too early in the sense that like the Arkansas Little Rock, like, you know, the Little Rock Teachers Pension Union is not yet ready to buy so, Barry Silbert's trust. Yeah, well, what about the ETF, the coin? I mean, you know, what, what's it, what's like your prediction on what I, percent wise of you I, think what, it'll pass? I, I, a month and a half ago, two months ago, I would have said a hundred percent no. But I also lost like double. I also lost five digit number betting on Hillary Clinton. So, <laughs> uh, well, who knows? Yeah, anything no, can happen. dude. They don't need a yes. They just need a not no, and it's like running short on time. Yeah. But so, I hope it happens. I mean, I think it's. I think it's so a little you think bit. It would be good for the space. You think it'd, it'd be, be good, good for me. General. I don't really personally like, for you. Yeah. So, well, look, here's the thing. Me so, too. So <laughs> our, no, no, our, I actually don't know that it would be that good for the price of Bitcoin. It, it, it feels, and I could be wrong, but it feels a lot like a sell the news thing. But uh, again, I'm, probably well, wrong short, about that. Short term, you may be correct. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I, but I here's, like but here's long the thing. term. It opens up possibilities. Here's the thing. In terms of gathering institutional assets to the space, there is nothing that could help our effort more than a passive custody secure way for people to just buy Bitcoin. Yeah. Because if CalPERS is ever going to buy Bitcoin, like they're not going to hold, they want they want good not, custody. No, no, they're not going to hold it themselves. Right. No. I, I'm a little bit confused. BKMC already buys uh, hedges with Bitcoin and, and other cryptocurrencies? Well, no. We Alright, so we're primarily holding, well, we have a position in Monero. We, we don't, we've never initiated a position in anything nearly large as a position we've initiated in Bitcoin. We now have a larger position in Monero, but you know, Interesting. that's because Monero did that. Yeah. Um, ah, so gotcha. yeah, it grew. So well, I mean, Monero's, look, Monero is kind of in a unique position of being the only possible current privacy currency that can work because it's the only one that has any coins that can trade. Um, I, I, I'm a little bit, so I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to hedge funds and this ETF coming up. What is the difference between the hedge fund you're running and the ETF? Right, so oh, here, here's okay. the thing, right? What we're trying to do, what we really want to do is beat Bitcoin. We want to generate alpha. On Wall Street, you've got alpha and beta. Good luck. Be no. No, no. We, got, we got some plans. Yeah, yeah I don't Be know what that means when you say beat Bitcoin. Beta is if the stock market goes up 10%, I'm up 20%. If it goes down 10%, I'm okay. down 20%. Returns. Alpha is how much better I did. So you're trying to play alts. We want we we're, we are in a very small, very selective, very very measured way playing altcoins. We have one aside from Monero. We have some positions uh, in ETC. We have some positions in XRP because we happen to know that think that there might be somebody doing something with that or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 
Just tip us what, off. What, 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 no, no. What else are you uh, <laughs> actively trading? GBTC. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, so, uh, Cosmos. Short Bitcoin? No, no. <laughs> Co- no, no. Cosmos. Oh. Cosmos is... So, when I was at ItBit, I tried to buy uh, a company called Tindermint. Yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've right. heard of them. And after I was at ItBit, I worked with another company in the space to try to buy Tim- Tindermint. And they didn't want to sell. And Jaquan, who's um, sort of like, there's sort of like three, in my opinion, like really major proof of stake research scientists. There's Dan Lanimer of BitShares. Yeah. There's Vlad Zamfir of Ethereum. And there's Jaquan. And there's, then there's the guy at, at, at NXT, but he won't tell us his real name, so he doesn't count. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and so there's these three kind of efforts being made at proof of stake which just makes things like side chains and developer environments and things like that much more feasible. So uh, what are your feelings on proof of stake? Do you think it it's the new happen? black? Okay, so you think it one no concerns uh, about it being an untested technology at scale effectively. No, not at Dude, scale. Dude, I have but concerns. At I have concerns about everything that's going on in this space <laughs> yeah. at every single level. But, but you, I buy a token. You think, you think I they'll buy make a, it work? I think it's the I think it's the next thing that will work. I, I have concerns when I buy the token in a thing because I don't even know if what it is. I, I mean, I know a factoid is a claim against being able to buy entry credits to put things in the blockchain, but I don't know how I know that that won't change. Right. I know that ethers are supposed to be gas for powering smart contracts, but right now it's a proof of work network, not a proof of stake network. They should be validating tokens, well, and I don't. That's one of the things I find most interesting about the space is things evolve over time. And yeah. You, well, right, and they evolve absent securities regulation which that's is that's true you know for like look it's cool it's the frontier you're going to make the most money here you're also going to lose the most money here like, yeah it's, wild, it's very very wild, wild all west yeah, yeah. It, it, totally um, but it's 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 fundamentally the overriding principle is it's just too much money trying to come in to ignore it yeah you've got an asset class in bitcoin that's up several hundred percent with no statistical correlation to any other asset class out there if you're an asset allocator and there is something that keeps going up and is uncorrelated to anything and you don't buy it, yeah, you you're responsible. You're <laughs> yeah. So, I'm still confused. I feel like you're still providing you're providing a hedge fund for people where they can buy in and right. be exposed. So here's what's going to happen. So what's the difference between that and the Well, ETF? no, no, he doesn't understand the difference between that and the coin ETF. So here's the thing. Yeah. So so let's say that the Little Rock Teachers Pension Fund just does decide that they're going to put six basis points into crypto. Sure. They're going to put five into an ETF. Why can't they put all five? Because or that's, six not, that's not how it works hedge in the hedge fund world. They're okay. going to look for one to give to the outperforming manager. Because what they want to say at the end of the day is, look, we mostly had the base asset, but we, we picked a little bit with the one guy that did good, so we did a little better for you than you would have done. Okay. So we want to do a little better for them and so that they can do a little better for them. I mean, look, we want to do a lot better. But but you're already <laughs> you're already letting people with like almost no knowledge of Bitcoin able. You're you're already letting them invest in the space, in Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, but like I right, bought. Right, you know, but so the hedge fund well, it always has I'll, a mandate. It never has just one asset. Look, hedge look, funds yeah, don't. Yeah, I but, can, but I could in theory hold 100% Bitcoin and simply make you good. Would not be a very good hedge fund. Listen to me. <laughs> simply make a decision to short euros against dollars against yen against pound so that I catch Bitcoin <laughs> when it goes up against the pound more, when it goes against so the dollar, more, and I generate alpha. <laughs> but we're doing more than that. Yeah. Okay. Cosmos. Cosmos is the public impl- implementation of Tendermint. Okay. And it is far and away 
far and away the most simple and elegant way to implement a sidechain protocol possible. Because what it does is it takes one zone, the Cosmos hub, and it takes the bases, the, the coin, base coin, whatever, the bases, um, and it, it, it makes them proof-of-stake validators that are very expensive, but they have to validate the two-way pegs of all the other zones. So you do the same thing that Bitcoin did, distribute validation, only you're distributing the validation of the pegs. Well, that's interesting. I'm so confused. Are we talking yeah. about side chains now? Like yeah, all, yeah, out of nowhere? Of, we're, so talking about, we're talking about state channels. Okay. So Ethereum is right now a incredibly well-staffed development team that is building stuff for a different network than it is. Um, they're building stuff for a proof-of-stake network with sharding and state channels. Those are things that, that come into play in Serenity, right. which is the fourth upgrade. Now, there's a third called Metropolis, but that's a front-end upgrade, and I don't think there are any front-end devs, so I don't know if that'll ever happen. But um, right now, Ethereum is a proof-of-work blockchain. Right. So the kind of stuff they talk about it being Turing-complete is... impossible. Well, well. Turing-complete is impossible to begin with, but practically Turing-complete is also super impossible with proof-of-work. Proof-of-work is like very cumbersome. Um, and Vlad Zamfir, Ghost Protocol, Casper, has done an amazing job of research. He's, he's one of the smartest guys. We're hoping to have him on. Actually, you're, you're by, the way, by the way, happy birthday, Vlad. Oh. Yeah. Thank you, Vlad, because we know uh, Vlad listens to our show all the time. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. As everyone does. Um, and, and I forget, in your hedge fund, you have ETH and ETC or just ETC? I or mean, we, have, we have some of all of it. We, we, okay. we can't not have... Like, because what if something took off? Right. Like, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so yeah, and we and we also have like we also are trying to. It's difficult. It's really difficult to put valuation metrics on things. But like we have a valuation model, proprietary one for Bitcoin. So a Bitcoin uh, of velocity model, and it uses basically a version of Metcalf's law, which is how you value um, telco networks, transaction, yeah. whatever. Yep. Um, but like there are other things that actually I think I can do real valuation analysis on, and I'll give you an example. Steam. Uh huh. I can, I am not there, but I am waiting to back up the truck and buy Steam as soon as the value of a Steam is less than a YouTube impression. Ah, that's an interesting metric. See, I, I think Steam did one of the most amazing things that's been done in this space. They brought non-crypto people in. So what the, was the price of that, real quick, before you go off that? I don't know. I think it's something on the order of one one-thousandth of the current price. Okay. So when Steam Ned, crashes, I've been asking you crashes. to get me that number. If I'm wrong, please let me know. So when Steam crashes to shit, you're going to no, buy a ton. Look, <laughs> if it look, if the if the cost to get an impression on Steam is less than the cost to get an impression on YouTube, then it's worth then then there's value there. Yeah. Um, so because it's but, all about acquisition, right? Customer acquisition. I mean, it, look, the the, the the fundamental problem with Steam is that it's like this awesome project built by a bunch of guys who are too young to remember that paid content doesn't work. I still want to know when you're evaluating what can go into the hedge fund. Do you look at 24-hour volume? Or do you use like yeah. coin market cap? What, what do you use? Well, the to first thing I do is I ask Mike, and he says no. <laughs> that, Brian or I, uh, Mike says no. How many no's do you get versus yeses? All of them. Um, <laughs> um, no, uh, look. So Mike's an extremely practical, very intelligent guy. He helped build Cloudflare, like. Really, very deep technical background. Got kind of annoyed with the Bitcoin space after his perfectly legitimate white hat company got murdered by the government. So how does so Coinbase? How does Coinbase come in? Trade Hill. How does how does Coinbase and and stuff like that not get killed? Because Fred way? Wilson has a great relationship with Silicon Valley Bank. 
Okay, so that's the... And that's, by the way, how you do analysis on companies in the Bitcoin space. How well they can do banking. How well Connections they, they yeah, have. Who they know. <laughs> and who, they, who, wants them, who wants it to work, you know? Do, do they have... Uh, is there somebody that's going to step in and save it them? It does is seem it? somewhat arbitrary. The winners and losers. But dude, it's all arbitrary. I mean, the stock market's arbitrary. Everything's how arbitrary. How much are you managing in your hedge fund? Less than $100 million. Okay. So between and zero and... all crypto or... No. no. I mean, so, well, yeah. <laughs> so between zero and 99 No, oh, yeah. no. Between zero and $100 million. Yeah, that's what I meant. Asymptotically. Yeah. Um, we... So a lot of our Bitcoin uh, is doesn't move. Because a lot of what we do is, is again trade fiat around it in order to try to create alpha. Right. And we have very strategic, like, so we have a, meet, a, 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 more, a, a meeting every morning where we discuss what are the positions, what are, they, what are we doing? But if the position size rises over, you know, a very low single digit percent, mm -hmm. like it takes a lot of, a lot of conversation. Um, our largest is Monero. Again, though, that's Monero's fault. Right, that's a yeah. Bad word for that. It wasn't, wasn't as if you acquired more. No, it just became more. And the thing <laughs> is, it's interesting because... Fluffy, you know, you know, you know th that's a scam, right, Monero? It was. <laughs> well, the founder still calls it a scam. Yeah, yeah. No, but, like... <laughs> all right, look. You want to get real for a second? Some, some, some pretty scary stuff went down. Let's Oasis, Oasis started accepting Monero. Oh, yeah, the exit, exit scam? Yeah. yeah. Like, but what happened? I, at that point, I was scared out of my mind. I, 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 I made a terrible trade. I, I dumped my Monero, oh, yeah. and I thought about buying a Sorry. gun. <laughs> oh. I was scared out of my really? mind. Really? I, I, miss, I misspoke earlier when I said founder. I meant fluffy. Anyways, keep yeah. going. No, but here's the thing. Monero survived because at this point, it's the same reason like, Ethereum, like okay. Ethereum has incredible prospects, but isn't there yet. Right. But it maintains its market cap because there's like so much money that wants to buy something that booberries keep going up right booberries is a privacy currency that the devs abandoned three years ago and still goes up 500 percent you know hilarious. what he's talking about I've never it's heard on of, coin market i've cap, never yeah. heard of yeah. booberries no yeah. that, that one's new on me yeah uh, yeah but, but and i know like a lot of these yeah. well there's so, just so many now so yeah. yeah well but so monero survived what i thought was going to kill it because the the trading community wanted it and it now makes up 2%, approximately 2% of the volume on Alphabet, I actually, making it one I, of the only three cryptocurrencies used for anything. I, ironically, I, I kind of expected the Oasis exit scam as soon as they adopted Monero, because what better way to pull an exit scam than to get a <laughs> traceable so, currency loaded? So that's, that's a really good point I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. As far as cryptocurrencies are concerned, uh, what percent of... of you know, what percent is speculation and what percent is usage as far as determining the price? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, in, in, sorry. I would like you, I would like to talk about so Bitcoin, Monero, whatever you'd okay. like. So uh, it's 100% all speculation. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you get to have a, like a Splenda flavoring packet of use case uh, on a few things. Steam has some use case. Uh, yeah. And Monero is the only one that has real use. And that's because you can buy and sell um, things that are PG thirteen and higher with it. What, well, what about and Bitcoin? What about right now? Well, hold on, hold on. Bitcoin too, and yeah. it's fine. Bitcoin has some of the use cases. Look, there's some phenomenal potential use cases for Bitcoin, but they haven't been ex implemented. Like like an, like an extra bank, uh, an extra banking system um, uh, value store. The problem is that like as a value store, Bitcoin sucks because it goes up and down a lot. It's and volatile, yeah. Well, yeah, right. But so. I'm going to 
talk about an idea that we worked on. Um, marijuana industry, right? The legal dispensaries can't accept credit cards. Oh, yeah, they have a horrible time. And it's not because the credit card process companies won't process it. It's because the, the acquiring banks won't take the deposits, right? Yeah. So what if we just put that money into Bitcoin? Well, the problem is... Um, Nobody knows what it'll mer- do. Right, it might go up or down. But I'll tell you what. If on a wholesale basis we can get the market to agree to do it, I'll take the risk. Our hedge fund will take 100% of the downside risk in exchange for putting uh, whatever it would be. I don't know, one, two, three billion dollars a year into yeah. Bitcoin in a price in agnostic way. Yeah. I'll take that upside. Yeah, I don't think you would lose on that, honestly. <laughs> it's a flywheel yeah. with money into my pocket. <laughs> so do you think uh, with legalization of marijuana that, you know, it's going to be... decriminalization. E- okay. No, I'm just... Uh, Depends you, on the state. Do you think it'll be sure easier? Does. Do you think it'll be easier for these shops to eventually just bank and not have to use something yeah, like well, Bitcoin? Well, as soon as soon as as soon as there is there is no potential chance that Arkansas will sue Bank of America for letting wa- some a Bank of America in Washington State do something legal, they won't. They'll do it. But like you know, their lawyers say no. It's the same reason you know why like you know. Uh, blockchains are never going to re- replace the lawyers. I don't want to get too the far lawyers off topic. Won't let you, well, lawyers will say no. I don't want to get too far off topic, but do you think, like, given the new administration, they're going to do something about the marijuana industry? Because like, I think they, it's due still to the du- federally. I, I, I think know? due to the new administration, Brock Pierce is now the most important person in crypto. Huh. Interesting. Yep. You know what? I'm Love a, you, Brock. I'm a I'm an idiot. Who is that? Brock Pierce. Uh, he was a mighty duck. Yeah, he was. He was uh, what the kid, president's kid. He was. Yeah. He yeah. Was. Well, why is why is he the, the most? He's the chairman of the Bitcoin Foundation. Okay. And, uh, and many, years, many years actor. ago, many years ago, he he worked with some people, and he's just done done a really good job of making political connections, and he's a smart guy, and and now is actually in a position. He was in Miami with us. So so well, he can, so what do you really think about him? He's in a position to do a lot of good for our industry. All right. Well, I mean, and his and, what, and his what, wife what, has an awesome startup. What, so. what what can he potentially do to to make it awesome? Like, give me an example. He's in a position to help shape the political dialogue in a way that that does what it needs to do to help you know make what this stuff should do do it. Like he's he's in a position to be able to be a positive force and voice and a voice of reason that somebody will listen to, and that's awesome. It's. And it's the first. Very interesting. Have you so when you when you invest in a altcoin, do you ever just say, okay, this is not working out. We're selling the the lion's share of what we have, and we're going to put it in Bitcoin or something else. Yeah, like how, when it doesn't work. That, I mean, so how, how, how do you determine? How often that? do you change your positions? Yeah. Whenever I change my mind. I mean, on average. I mean, it's like, is this? Uh, do you typically? Do you trade daily? Do you trade weekly? Uh, when the facts change... Oh, no, no, no. I'm no, just saying how look, often does it so, average so, out All right, to? so it, it gets a little tricky because, like, the size of the fund makes it a little difficult to navigate some things. Like, so if I have a... Let's, let's just say... I'm, I'm, these aren't the real numbers, but let's just say I had a position limit of freeze. Let's say I was only allowed to hold $100,000 in Poloniums. Yeah. Okay? And I had $50,000 of blueberries one day and now it was three hundred thousand dollars of blueberries oh so you rebalance well well, but there's no like blueberry wallet i can't withdraw them (laughs) (laughs) and like like x has it somehow we 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 need like we need fasb to like come in and you know fasb is you know 156 was the fair mark to market are you sure jacks has an integrated blueberry what we need is we need fasb to come up with a with a 
you know, just go ahead and say what you think it's worth, accounting method. Okay. Uh, so oh, yeah. Like what the banks do. So would you say, like, how much how much of your cryptocurrency is on exchanges versus, like, cold storage or, like, just on your personal devices? Or how much would I say? Yeah, like, I wouldn't say. Wise. So if, if an exchange gets hacked, are you going to seriously get, be uh, compromised as far as the hedge fund? Or? Maybe. Okay. I guess it depends on which exchange, if the attack works, and because I'm not I, telling. Because, um, well, all right, so our, would threat you, modeling, would you all right, our threat modeling our threat modeling is that the two exchanges that we can hold the most money on are Itbit and Gemini, or sorry, Paxos and Gemini, because they're DFS trust chartered, so they're required to have capital um, against the assets. The thing is, they don't have assets, so like they actually have negative capital ratios, so it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but... In our threat modeling, that's still the best. Do, personally, do personally, um, the Bitcoin exchange I'm most comfortable with is Kraken, and that's because I know and trust Jesse, Pal, and Ifu and the guys there. Um, uh, I I think Poloniex. Uh, I have I have I have huge amounts of Poloniex envy. These guys are making tremendous amounts of money every yes, time they, they make are. a new version of Ethereum, and like uh, you know, but there, but there's limits. You know, you can't do it. And it makes it hard to trade altcoins because there aren't the same kind of offline storage. Now, what the basic yeah, the makes basic, it difficult. Our, our basic solution to that and, and what we think is going to generate a lot of alpha for us in the coming year, uh, again, is Cosmos. Um, because we didn't buy Cosmos on an exchange. Um, we pre-funded the ICO. We did, we did the, the right. pre-ICO. Okay, round. so, so you, you got in before the... Well, after trying to buy the company twice from a <laughs> private company, when I was finally in a fund, I would, met Jay, I was like, dude, take the money. Yeah. So, 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 um, so do you have insurance on your cold storage? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if you could get here's, that. Here's, you know? the <laughs> thing, here's the thing. Insurance in the Bitcoin space is a very difficult thing. Most people don't know this, but there's one person who deserves an immense amount of credit. His name is Jonathan Silverman. Uh, he did a phenomenal job at BitGo getting insurance policies written. Yeah. But, like, here's the thing. If a loss happens, the insurance company is going to be like, okay, let's go to court and see if this was an insured loss. Because, it, 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 yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's an active guy. Like, you know. Well, I mean, Bitfinex. I mean, the, the whole deal with that. It was, it was security theater. Bit, Bitfinex <laughs> did the most unbelievable. It was dumb. What, you, with BitGo? Yeah. Well, it no, wasn't no, no, was, no, no. was BitGo. BitGo it was had Bit, nothing to do with I know. Their, it was Bitfinex Bitco's that did job, all the wrong. BitGo's yeah. job uh, with Bitfinex was writing transactions to blockchain, not security. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. Um, but yet they used their name. They well, did. They were working with them to write the transactions. Uh-huh. And there was a stack of it. But look. What Bitfinex did is one of the most like mind-numbingly and crazy, crazy pants, like monkey baloney things ever. They were like, okay, you guys lost this much money, so here's a new thing. Yet they're still around. Dude, Phil Potter is is like a magician. I know. <laughs> he, he, he's my new like hero. Like, sorry, dad. Like this like this guy made up an entire new security that's not a security, it's not a perfected securities interest, doesn't have any claim on it. I thought they were toast for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and like, and like, the only thing, the only thing that he didn't do right about that, which was the right thing to do, but would have been even more insidious, is if he said they could buy them back. Because <laughs> that would have just been like, hey, like, they just, they just issued a whole new made-up type of debt instrument 
that no one like like seriously like six dudes in a room were like what should we do how about this yeah let's do it and then like the whole I mean, crypto community was like nice the game theory on that was incredible I mean just the fact I mean I can't believe people fell for it the I game would, theory dude like it, it doesn't even begin like I would I would be willing I, I would almost be willing to pay to get Mike Criminger like or, or some incredible securities lawyer, you know, like oh. like in New York, <laughs> some blue blooded old to, to tell me what the f is this thing? It's a piece of not even paper that says we'll pay you back the value of something that got stolen, which is higher now, but we'll pay you the old value, maybe, or maybe we'll give you company equity, but you can't trade it, and you're gonna like it. Everybody loved it. Some I, people, I, I some people made it. a lot of money on that because they they really? bought when it went down and then it went right back up and yeah. yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's it, complete monkey pants. That was kind of similar to what happened with Ethereum Classic when you know when it came about. Everybody thought it was just no. dead out of the water, Ethereum and then Ethereum Classic was like a couple of guys named yeah. being really pissed about like what happened and being like, oh yeah, well we'll keep mining it, and then calling Poloniex and be like, you guys want to make some money, and then screw over Coinbase a bit. Like, I, yeah. I had the headphones on. You said Roger here or who? No, no. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're not allowed to say that I've, on air? I've been told not to say names anymore. Okay. <laughs> it was Jeremy Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I'm looking at uh, Cosmos because we're talking about it. Um, it's not, it looks like a uh, like a you can group together yeah. a, a, a so Ethereum like, virtual machines or something. So, so yeah, basically the, the proof of work networks the proof-of-stake networks just are much more flexible. So, like, that's why Ethereum plans to be a proof-of-stake network so that it can be a developer environment. Another thing that becomes much easier is, is state channels. State channels is, is sidechains, mm -hmm. okay? The problem is, it's the same reason, like, when Vitalik first came up with the idea of Ethereum and was like, guys, let's do this on Bitcoin, and everyone was like, no, because, like, it's like, okay, let me give you a complete set of tools so you can build a house. But you can also take down a house. Like, you know, Bitcoin is yeah, designed Bitcoin to be is low intentionally restricted. To do, right. Yeah. <laughs> so proof of stake opens that up. And Ethereum like, got a huge running start by saying, we're going to build this scripting language and do all this stuff to build contracts and put it on proof of stake. Now, they're not even on proof of stake. So it's an interesting way of going it. But they got a huge market cap, so they win um, for now. But Cosmos... Is it natively launches using Tendermint as uh, its proof of stake consensus protocol, but its its initial focus is on making it extremely interactive, making it e very easy to do two-way pegs between chains okay. because you distribute the consensus so, of that and it's trustless. So, so let's let's talk, let's talk about Cosmos. Cosmos is it a unit itself or is it the platform? Uh, yeah, no. where do you trade Cosmos coins or so whatever? So Cosmos base they're called bases. Bases. Um, yeah. Like all your bases are belonging. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, well, it's the base coin of it, each, each zone. Will have a base coin, uh -huh. and this is the base zone. The base so zone. it's the base. Okay, gotcha. Um, and uh, it's the ICO is going to be in the next month. Uh huh. Um, it's uh, you know something I want to point out that I heard in one of the uh, panels that Jeremy led earlier. Somebody said that the thing that makes them most skeptical is when a net is when a network token ICOs. It should be understood that if you're a proof-of-work network and you pre-mine, that may be true. But, but pre-mining a proof-of-stake network is the right way to do it because the staking tokens are the miners. 
so, 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 so yeah. you're buying the mining equipment. So that being said, so the fundamentals of the coin is like, um, how, what's the total? Is it is it going to be inflationary or It'll, is it? Uh, yeah, is yeah, there a set limit? Yes, because as you validate, you receive some reward for doing it. Well, what's the issuance so, schedule? Okay, well, okay. I'll let it, you go it, on. It's, it's well, no, but there's a lot to this. Uh huh. Because see, the point is that the Cosmos Hub is basically the security hub of the whole system. So, like, right now, there's Ethermint. There's an, there's a version of Ethereum running. For, okay, there's two. There's also um, uh, the Mar Marmot guy, Preston Byrne. Um, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, T T zero. No, no, no. Or, that's, no, the other that's, one. That's uh, Salt Lake. That's Patrick Byrne. Preston Byrne. Eris. Oh, Preston. Sorry. Preston. The first real Eris. project to come out of Ethereum was replacing um, Hashimoto, the, the 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 proof of work yeah, protocol with with Tenderman. So, oh, she works for Eris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I keep so, looking over But, but um, Jay, Jay Kwan has now built Ethermint. And, like, there's a working peg for Ether. Like, and and we're gonna, there's going to be a Bitcoin peg. Like, you're going to be able to move these coins between these chains in a, in, a, in a way that distributes the validation and the trust. Okay. Like, it, it, it's, that's what Bitcoin is. It's distributed validation. Right. And that's why the whole thing like, is we're going to do side chains. We're going to have merge mining, so it's the same. Well, this is sort of like a, a way of doing it. One, without spending sixty million dollars a day in electricity, and two, in a way that really, by making the Cosmos zone an expensive zone, it means that the validation of the other zones doesn't have to cost as much because it all has to go through the one. Yeah, I probably have to read up on it to fully I, understand. I still what you're want saying. to know with all these different. Uh, right, hold on. Okay, Cosmos yeah. is the internet of blockchains. That's how they advertise on their website. <laughs> I, I still want to so, know with all these different uh, things that you're buying, uh, who helps you with security? Any any uh, notable people? Because um, I'm sure security is like a huge thing for y'all. Yeah, I'm not telling you because so, it's a huge problem for us. So no, it's 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 actually something in our uh, we, we we did a full threat modeling, you know, risk analysis. We had. We I'm just I'm just wondering, even the people that helped okay, you with I it. I can tell you who I'd recommend you use. Okay. Um, my first choice would probably be Michael Perklin. C4. Uh, he's uh, on the Bitcoin Foundation. He was a uh, securities analyst with Rogers Communication before getting involved in Bitcoin. Really good. He did the, uh, I know for a fact he did the Factum in the Ethereum crowd sales and hard wallets. Um, but in terms of the security we use, like even 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 our, our fund docs disclose, here are 10 different date ways we might do it, but we, we can't tell you which. Because it creates too much of an attack vector. Right. You, you don't yeah. want a surface area. A little yeah. bit of a security uh, for, for, the, for security reasons. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the thing is, like, cybersecurity is difficult because, like, in reality, there's two levels of cybersecurity. There's nation state and then there's none. And, like... That's, you know, you're not going to go up against the nation state adversary and win. Well, That's yeah. A, uh, okay. I mean, and maybe there's some, some small bit more variety in there, but... What I what I do know is that um, Michael very very clearly told me I'm not allowed to tell anything about anyone anything about our security procedures. Gotcha. Except block time. That's what he said. Uh, I, it's I okay. Do. We don't have any listeners. It doesn't sound like something Michael would say. <laughs> I am Michael. No. <laughs> also, this is also this Michael. Is also Michael. So that that's confusing and, and distracts. <laughs> but I've been told to think very carefully. What would Michael say and do that? By, <laughs> Michael T. Michael Sofair. Oh. Oh damn it! All right, cool. I would hire a certain Michael T to do security. Michael Tidwell. 
I was thinking Tyson. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, I I don't know any any. I, all right, our generic question: What is a blockchain? What's your definition? Yeah, what's your definition of blockchain? Sequel. I love it. No, that's no. the no. I love it. That's the best definition it's I've a, heard. It's a database. Very concise. The, the blockchain. Well, what differentiates it from a database? Well, My definition of the blockchain. Sure. GitHub for criminals. Okay. It's, what's then? What is blockchain? It's a, blockchain is uh, a revision control database. Uh, you know, with 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 checkpointing. I mean, I think what to, to answer what I think the spirit of your question is, the the blockchain, not Bitcoin industry will eventually come up with some solution that allows us to share data and have some level of non-requirement on a teacher learner mo model and then whatever that is we'll just call it blockchain okay uh so blockchain is the winner probably postgres yeah <laughs> i like it i like cool. it cool well uh, thank you very much yeah thank, thank you, you for being on block time I, mike i think the nazis is bound yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Our blocks have been solved. Yeah. Have a good yeah. one, guys. Our blocks has been hedged. Ah. Yes. See All your bases. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Jacob. Yeah.